This is exactly right. Welcome to I Said No Gifts. I'm Bridger Weiniger. We're in the backyard. What's going on? It's, uh, what, what happened this morning? Well, I ordered a 26-piece glass food container set. That's my morning. Uh, now that I'm saying 26 pieces aloud, that sounds like a lot of pieces. But it was that, or four pieces, the bigger thing. I it, Eventually, I, th- I thought I need a variety of pieces so those are coming to me, and I'll be able to store as much food as I want. So look forward to uh, future discussions about my food storage. Let's get into the podcast. I adore today's guest. He's so funny. It's Chris Parnell. Chris, welcome to I Said No Gifts. Thanks, Bridger. Thanks for having me. Of course. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. And if you want to talk about your food storage containers, I'm perfectly open with that. <laughs> I mean, how much food storage in the fridge, freezer are you doing? Um, we do a, f- a decent amount, not tons, but usually there'll be some leftover stuff, you know, especially pasta. If there's leftover, that will go towards my older son's lunch the next day. Oh, usually. interesting. He's taking, uh, like a pasta lunch to school. Sometimes. When, especially when we've had it the night before. Right, right. We're not going to make a special pot of pasta <laughs> just for him to take to lunch. We don't, well, my don't wife rule doesn't it work out. Well, special little treat. Uh, what sort of pasta are you making? Um, it varies, but it's usually, it's either pesto. My wife makes her own pesto, which is oh. delicious. It'll be either pesto or like garlic and butter. Okay, okay. And then the shape varies. The shape is always, you're mixing it up. Yeah. I like a traditional spaghetti. I've been, I've been on the spaghetti boat for a few minutes here. And uh, I go to a restaurant and there'll be a different shape of thing. And I feel like, let's just leave it at spaghetti for okay. now. You know what? I, I, I don't mind spaghetti, but I would go, if I were going with that shape, I'd either go with a thinner, like an angel hair, sure. or the thicker, uh, what is that called? The thicker like a spaghetti. bucatini, is that? Yeah, bucatini. Yeah. yeah, I do like a hearty bucatini. Yeah. With an angel hair, I feel like I'm just getting, the, the nature of it doesn't work for me. I feel like I'm getting big globs of pasta Yeah. by the forkful, rather than these thin strings. I feel like I'm stuffing hay in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like a spaghetti. I like a bucatini because you can get the fork and just get as one noodle. You can get four noodles. Do whatever you want. Well, my I guess if I had a go-to, it would be penne. Oh, interesting. Very manageable. You it's know. A, I, I for me maybe too manageable. Oh, you like a little craziness? A yeah, little I like a, I like a random. You know, we're not quite sure what we're ever going to get. <laughs> it's a pasta lottery, and I don't even care if I win because I have a very good attitude. Are you a sore loser? Um, you know, I can be. I, I I hope that I'm mature enough to be able to temper that. But I, 
I've, I've realized I'm quite competitive, which mm -hmm. I think also comes from insecurity. Sure. I remember playing Scrabble about 15 years ago at a friend's place, and I thought, I'm going to do pretty well at this. I know words. And, uh, <laughs> and I didn't, because I didn't, know, I didn't know the strategy of Scrabble that much, and, and my friends were just trouncing me, and, I, <laughs> and I, I was really having to control my temper. I was really having I didn't, I didn't speak a lot. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't be fully present, <laughs> and I realized, oh, you're gonna not play board games with people, you know, or, or get better about this. I feel like Scrabble in particular really does that to people. There are a lot of hurt feelings in Scrabble. A lot of, I feel like people feel less intelligent while playing it, yeah. despite there is like strategy that has nothing to do with vocabulary. Yeah, uh, and you. I'm I'm similar where I'm like I'll start the game I'm like oh I'm doing great I'm having a good time with everyone and then suddenly I, I the loop the sting of losing doesn't feel great no you become competitive and then you lose anyway and yeah. you feel terrible exactly but uh, yeah I I don't think that there's really any I mean that's competition sure. You've got to have a little bit of that to drive you through the Scrabble game. You do. You do. But it's why I, I like to run, but I don't ever do races. Okay. Because I know I'll never win. I'm not nearly <laughs> fast enough and don't have the endurance mm -hmm. to win. So it's like, I'm going to lose? Why do I want to compete against people? So you no know? marathons, nothing? No marathons, no 5Ks. I could, I could never make a marathon. Oh. I could maybe do a 5K or a 10K, but it would be very slow. What's the max you're running personally? Um, these days, I'm, I've been doing about four miles. That's um, impressive. Eh, that's all right. When, if, you know, my goal is to get back up to, I'd love to get back up to like 10K, which okay. I don't know that I've ever quite gotten there, but uh, I'm, I, can, I can do 5K pretty. Mm -hmm. Oh, I do 5K. That's past 5K. So, Yeah, my, really my one experience with long distance running, and it's not long, is one mile in elementary school, which yeah. at the time felt like a thousand miles. Of course. And so I still have that memory in my head of like, how does someone run more than a mile? Yeah. But at this point, I probably would be fine doing it. It would probably... I mean, oh. I don't do any level of cardio, so maybe no? it would be a nightmare. You seem fit. Well, I don't. I'm not running. No? I'm not walk. Well, I am walking. Oh, <laughs> little there you go. walking. Okay. We love a walk. Yeah. Uh, but running is a different story. It is exciting. Maybe I should give it a shot. Return to it. So you're storing pasta in the fridge. You're storing foods. That's very exciting. What else is happening in your life? Oh, what else is happening? I uh, I just came back from New York. I got to do a. A day on this uh, this new Amazon series. I did a couple of episodes. We were supposed to get done before Christmas, but one of the directors got COVID, and so mm. they had to push it back. So I just went and did that in Brooklyn, and that was right. fun. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. That flight for you, the five, what is it, five hours from LA to yeah, New about York? That. Yeah. How, how does that affect your body? For me, devastating. Oh, really? I don't know. I, I'm not built for, I think I need either like a 20 hour flight or 45 minutes. I, the five hours doesn't quite work for me. What does it do to you? I just feel horrible. Oh. I feel horrible the entire flight. I get off the flight, and then it's probably two days of feeling horrible. Oh, crap. I think it's just that sweet spot of enough time on the plane, but not enough to really relax. Oh, huh. okay, okay. Or sleep or anything. Yeah. Do you sleep on a plane? Um, occasionally, not usually, but normally I, I, I stay awake. I might watch a movie. Uh, I, I did a lot of reading on the flight back this time. So. Okay. What yeah. do you read? I am reading Project Hail Mary. Ooh, what's this about? It's a science fiction novel. Oh, exciting. By, I believe his name is Greg Weir. He wrote The Martian. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Which then became the movie with Matt Damon. Exactly, exactly. Uh, are you enjoying it? I love it. Yeah, okay. it's very good. He's, I, I really like the way he writes. He's clearly... 
a very knowledgeable gentleman about science and all those things. So when he writes, it's very, you know, I can't necessarily follow every bit of it, but, you know, it, it makes you feel smarter reading it. So. Right. With science fiction in general, I love to read it, but there's, I just prepare myself for a part of the book where I'll just have to let it wash over me <laughs> and I won't quite understand or conceptualize in my head what's going on. Yeah. But I just trust the author and hope that the characters start talking about their personal lives soon. <laughs> Something that I can actually follow. I was just reading a book called The Dark Forest. It's a sci-fi book. And there, were, there was probably 50 pages of, of the book that I slowly read and came away with nothing. Absolutely. I couldn't tell you what was going on other than a spacecraft was zipping about. Okay. But it was a long, detailed description of that happening. And it's my limited science brain, I think. Yeah. Were you a science person in high school? Somewhat, yeah. Okay. I mean, I was science and math were interests, you know, computer programming, that kind of stuff. Computer programming, are you still have any interest in that? <sighs> you know, I don't. I mean, I, I wish I knew more about it now. But I mean, I'm talking about, you know, the early days of PCs. Sure. We had an Apple II Plus. I learned basic, you know, and I could write little programs on that. But it's, it's all left me way behind. What kind of programs were you writing? One program I wrote was, I mean, it was useless, but it was a, a, a movie scheduling program. So basically, I'd take the movie schedule from the newspaper and put it into the program so that I could look <laughs> up movies on the computer, even though I could also just look at them <laughs> in the newspaper. That, I mean, but that's kind of a prototype of a lot of websites now. That's really interesting. Well, so you were ahead of the curve, <laughs> despite it being completely useless in your own life. Not, not, not far enough ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but you were one of the early people trying trying to get rid of uh, the print industry. I guess I was. destroy publishing. I guess that was my goal. <laughs> I didn't realize it. Uh, do your kids learn about coding in school? My younger son definitely doesn't. He's five. And I don't know if my eight, almost nine-year-old is learning anything about it. He had, we, been, we did a program for a while called CodeSpark. Okay. That sort of teaches you some coding stuff with graphical symbols and things and he did that for a while but i think he kind of got tired of it right just so. wasn't for him yeah that feels like a, a course that should be taking place in schools at this point i took so few practical skills away from my public education that uh, coding seems like it would have been a valuable thing at this <laughs> point fully different career are you much into computers now at all you know, I, I try to keep up with it. Like I was looking at what came out at the Consumer Electronics Show, just sort of noting that. Uh -huh. But I'm not, I'm not somebody who needs to go out and buy the, the, the new thing. Right. I'd rather let it sort of be tested by the public. Mm -hmm. and, no. Like I've, I've still got an iPhone. What is my iPhone? Is it a 12? 13? I'm like two <laughs> generations behind. There's that moment of upgrading when you open the box, you're very excited. And then there's 30 seconds later, it's just part of your normal life <laughs> and you're so bored of it. I know. They need to do something, to, some sort of spark that really changes things for each one, whether it works or not. Just like a little fanfare that plays yeah. when you open the package. I'd, I would like something that I have to adapt to. Yeah. I don't like that it's just uh, my phone again. Right. I want, to be, I want things to just be torn down and have to start anew. Yeah. I mean, the main reason I buy a new phone is for the camera. Oh, yeah, of And course. upgrading the camera because right. uh, I've got some nice cameras. They're all broken, unfortunately. I need to send them off. I was just reading an article about, and you know, when you read an article about teens or Gen Z, you always have to take it with a grain of salt. It feels like a journalist will find one teen that does this and blow it up into all teens are doing this. But apparently, the new thing is using digital cameras from like 05 to 09. I saw that. Uh, to me, I mean, 
It's a very strange thing. Of course, I immediately got mine out and took some pictures. They look terrible. Yeah. Uh, but it's an interesting thing. It's almost the new Polaroid. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's, it's like getting back in touch with actually using a camera as opposed right. to a phone, which they all probably grew up just using a phone, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it is a nice little novelty to have to frame it up and push a button. And yeah. I don't know. There's a little. It, there's something satisfying about it. I will say that that I miss from my phone. But do you know what I've been wondering about recently is hypnotism. Yeah. Have you ever been hypnotized? I have not. Maybe at some point along the way, I saw a show where somebody was supposed to be hypnotized. But even that was probably on TV. What I've been thinking about is: does it ever actually click? Does it ever work on someone's brain, or is it all for show? Um. Well, I think. In terms of somebody thinking they're a chicken or something like that, <laughs> I'm not sure. Right. But I think there may be something to sort of helping program your brain in a healthier way. I don't know. Okay. Well, that's why I asked you here today. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. I was looking for I a am, concrete answer oh on God, hypnotism. I'm so sorry. I we might as well just send you home now. You let me know. I would have been glad to research it. <laughs> it was in the email. <laughs> was it? There were several emails about hypnotism. Oh, and, God. I'm sorry. Oh, what a shame. No, I, I'm very skeptical. I guess I need to give it a shot. I'd like like to just see what happens to me. Is there something you're trying to change about yourself? Oh, hundreds of things. <laughs> the list goes on and on and on. Uh, maybe that's my problem. But there's no one particular problem. It's not like, oh, I've got to stop smoking or, oh, I've got to whatever. Right. Uh, so maybe if I narrow down the list, do, and then I guess you call up a hypnotist? Well, or go see one in person. Yeah. I would try to go with a recommendation from somebody that you trust. Right. But as we've both just demonstrated, we know almost no one who's been hypnotized. Annalise, have you ever been hypnotized? I have. No. Annalise hasn't been hypnotized. It's just a fraud industry. You think? I feel like you type that into Yelp or whatever, you're going to get like a party hypnotist. <laughs> yeah. Do you go to ZocDoc for a hypnotist? Do you ask your uh, ref uh, from a like your actual doctor referral? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I just have a therapist, you know, that's where, right. I, that's where I do my work, or try to. And maybe your therapist has this in their back pocket, <laughs> just in case. Maybe, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Well, you're, uh, I feel like you're underestimating your therapist. Yeah? You ask them in your next meeting. I think I'd be embarrassed to ask her <laughs> if she knew of a good ther uh, hypnotist. Wow. I, I've never even heard of ZocDoc. ZocDoc is, and I haven't used it in probably a decade at this point, but it's like kind of a scheduling thing for doctors, various things like okay. that. Okay. And Annalise is saying you can schedule a hypnotist on ZocDoc. Look at that. So I wonder if you have to be licensed to be a hypnotist. Oh, that's a good question. I would tend to doubt it, but <laughs> there's probably some organization that gives out certifications, but I don't know that it really means anything. Right, kind of like massage therapy or something. There's got to be something in that realm where some sort of expert looks at your skill level. Yeah. And what separates a party hypnotist from a medical hypnotist is the big question. Can you do both? I would think if you could do the party hypnotism, you could do the other. Right. Um, I don't know if you are a medical hypnotist, if you could then also convince somebody they were a chicken. Right. And you may not have the personality or the stage presence that it requires. Sure, sure. But yeah, the other way makes more sense. Yeah. I think that that's all we have to say about hypnotism. It's uh, <laughs> gonna, I'm going to have to do some looking into it. Maybe I'll bring a hypnotist on the show. Oh. I don't know. They can de defend themselves. Def <laughs> yeah, and hypnotize I will you. absolutely just 
rail on them. <laughs> he will tear them apart. <laughs> Watch out, hypnotists. If you get an invitation to this show, uh, it may lead to something else. But, Chris, the other day, well, look, I've been looking forward to you being on this podcast. Of course I have. I think, I think you're so funny. I thought, we'll have a nice time. Yeah, we'll, I've you been know, looking forward chat, to it, too. We'll discuss hypnotism, what have you. Uh, and so I was a little surprised. The podcast is called I Said No Gifts. And yeah. the other day I opened the door. There's a box waiting for me. It's been shipped to me. And, you know, I, I go over everything I've done on the internet recently. I hadn't ordered my 26-piece uh, glassware set. Uh, there was no, I hadn't ordered anything. So it was a little surprising to see a box there. Okay. But I picked it up. I opened it. Uh, and there was a card inside that said, it was from you, and yeah. I started piecing it together. I thought, oh, Chris is coming. Maybe this has something to do with it. Right. Of course, then I start getting angrier and angrier. Oh, Blood is boiling, so thinking, sorry. oh, this is a gift for me. I'm so sorry. Um, but I've had some time. It was a few days ago. I've had some yeah. time to cool down, collect myself. You seem collected. Uh, thank you. And so I'm just going to ask you straight up, is this a gift for me? Oh, <sighs> uh, yeah, it's a gift. I'm so sorry. I really apologized. I just, I didn't think you meant it when you said no mm. gifts. I, so I thought, eh, you know, like people say, no gifts at a birthday party, but you bring a gift, you know. <laughs> and I thought it was that kind of thing. But I, clearly it's enraged you. Yeah, I mean, I've cooled down, of course, as I've said, but who knows what will happen if I open it. Should Ooh. I open it here on the podcast? Uh, I mean, I'm... I think I think you probably should, but I, you know, should I move away from you? I mean, you're about at two feet away from me now. Yeah. My arms are not that long. Right. Um, I'm not that strong. I'm not that active of a person anyway. <laughs> I think you're cool right there. Okay. So uh, I'm going to grab the bag here. It's in yeah. this cute little gray bag. And there is a card here that I'll open and okay. read. Let's see. It says, Sorry, Bridger, but I just couldn't follow the overly restrictive directive in the name of your show. I hope you find these useful. From Chris Parnell. Interesting. Okay. So let's dive in. It, uh, apparently, these tells me there's more than one thing in here. Oh, Annalise yeah. is going to hold the mic for me. Bless your heart. Let's see. These bags continue to mystify me how you open. Yep, you're almost there. There, there we go. go. It's got like a spring mechanism. There's some tissue. Some more. Okay, we're pulling it out. We're pulling it out. Multiple layers of wrapping. Wait, what? What? I'm holding, as far as I can tell right now, it's a, a block of wood, and my guess would be chopsticks but i don't think that's what this is what is this they are they are shims what is a shim well it's um it's something you use in in construction uh okay. carpentry i think especially like if you're i've never used one <laughs> I, I, but i know of them and i thought i'm gonna get a practical gift mm -hmm. like if you're trying to frame a window or a door and okay. it's not quite level or plumb this helps it's a little thin. It's a piece of wood. It's like a doorstop, but right. not as thick. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. That, so for me, I, immediately I'm thinking of myself framing a window or a door, something that's so 
far out of the realm of my skill level, but I am I think about getting to that moment when it's not even I'm stuffing a magazine in there. Oh. I'm finding something in the house. I'm not using the official means of doing it. And then it'll fall apart a few months later. But now right. I'm prepared, absolutely yeah, prepared. Exactly. Do you do much uh, home repair? Um, I, you know, I am not completely unhandy. I can, I can install some things. I can put some things together. But mm-hmm. in terms of a like a real repair, I would never attempt that on my own. What was the last home project you had? Oh, you know, it was putting together um, a bookshelf for okay. my younger son. You know, I installed some child safety gates back when our first son was born. You know, so it's it's limited, but I can do a few things. It sounds like you used a screwdriver. Used a screwdriver. I've, I've even got, uh, I've got a drill. Okay. I've got a hammer drill. Oh, what is a hammer drill? A hammer drill is for going into very hard material like concrete or masonry. Okay. And we had a we had a basement at our first house, and so I wanted to put some shelves up down there, and I needed a hammer drill. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And you're saying this basement in your house, were you in California? Yeah, I was in L.A. Yeah, we're in Silver Lake. That's such a rarity. I know, it That's was. That's a real, no one has a basement in Los Angeles. We Yeah, it, it is a very rare thing. It was a one-story house, um, so it was nice to have that little place for storage and our laundry. Do you have any idea why there are no basements in is it California in general? I think it is. I have no idea. Did I you, mean, some people have them because I've heard people say, yeah, we had a basement. But uh, it's so rare. It is definitely rare. Like, I, I, growing up in Utah, everyone had a basement. Oh, really? You're from Tennessee. Yeah, from Memphis. Did, were there basements in Tennessee? I didn't have any friends that had them. We never had one. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe um, I grew up in a basement rich area compared to the rest of the country. Perhaps. But it's it does seem like a commonplace thing for a house. I my guess with California is something to do with earthquakes. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want a a big hole under the house when it starts shaking. That's maybe that has something to do with it. That's a good guess. Uh, But you've you've since moved on from a basement type home. Yes. And you uh, are installing child gates. (laughs) A long time ago. A long time ago. Yes. <laughs> this, you've turned this into your little business. <laughs> kind of a side hustle, putting in child gates yes. in people's homes. Um, so it seems like you do pro- uh, the occasional project. When one pops up, you're capable. I'm capable. For me, simply not. No. And uh, you came over, uh, and I told you earlier that my the listener's probably furious to hear about this because I have been talking about it nonstop. <laughs> I've had a flooding situation. Yeah. And I... As a person, I have nothing to do to stop it except for just let the water come in. But it, it has driven me now to a point of it's almost compulsive for me. I go back there every day and look for something to try to fix it oh, yeah. uh, while we're waiting for the professionals to come. Sure. I'm drilling holes in walls. I'm cutting out pieces of the drywall right. to no real end. But, just, but you're doing it. That's handy. I mean, you're... that's not handy. I feel like I'm just creating more projects. Well, it sounds like the drywall is going to have to come out either way, right? So you're just moving the process along <laughs> with four by four inch holes. <laughs> I mean, I, I am dreading mold. Yeah, yeah, it's a legitimate concern. A mold situation could be really frightening. Yeah, I don't know how serious mold affects you. I don't know. I think it just depends on how bad it is, you know. Uh, right. But it sounds like you've been proactive in terms of sort, of sort of releasing or opening up spaces that might promote the growth of mold. Right, right. Yeah. Have you ever had any type of water damage situation? Yeah, you know, we had a, we had a little bit of a leak at our last house. Um, not terrible, but yeah, we had to 
call a roofer out and and fix that up. Okay, not so, something that was not something I was going to try on my own. No, 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 no. no that's no. certainly like the well. I guess there's probably a YouTube tutorial, but uh, yeah, that's something you really can't do unless you know exactly where the spot is and blah blah blah. But these shims, how did they cross your mind? You know, I was just looking online and I wanted, I was looking for something practical and not too expensive. And, you know, in the industrial uh, tool <laughs> section mm -hmm. of this particular website, I, I came across <laughs> these and thought, that's perfect. And when you saw shims on the website, did you think, oh, I know what that is or what is that? I, I knew what it was. I did look up specifically what they tended to be used for. And I was right. I thought I knew, mm -hmm. but I wanted to be able to speak about it <laughs> somewhat articulately because I knew you'd want me to tell you what they were for. Right, right. Yeah. So I wonder, do I just leave these in my garage for a potential project? Do I look around the house for a window that could use some help? You know, I think you, you have to be realistic with yourself. I didn't know if you were a, a handy <laughs> kind of guy around the house and would take on that kind of a project. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you're not. <laughs> and in that case, you might want to give them away to someone or <laughs> take it to out of the closet or something. I don't know. You know. This would be an interesting thing to drop off at a thrift store. I don't quite... Uh... I don't know what thrift stores turn away. I feel like they must turn away some items. Oh, they do. They do. It's it's, it's they're very, much more restrictive now. I think. Like, have you tried turning something in and they've said no? Yeah, I you know I think the at least the one that I go to in Outwater Village um, won't take electronics. What? Yeah. What's their per or their reasoning? I think because there's a chance that it's just not going to work, and they don't want to deal with testing it, oh, and you know, okay. and then having somebody buy it and then say this doesn't work. Well, that feels like a gold mine. I know, I know, but I, I guess most of the electronics people are going to take in there are probably maybe it's a TV or an old printer, and you know, who's who's going to want that? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I usually don't get rid of electronics unless they're completely malfunctioning. Right. But what about the hobbyists that go to the thrift stores to fix the TVs? The and where are we supposed to take them? To the dump? You know, I think you have to take you have to figure out who's going to recycle them. You know, you have to go to an electronics recycling okay. place. I think Best Buy will take some of that stuff. Oh, is that true? I think so. They have yeah. a big bin you can just toss it in or yeah, something. At least they used to. I don't. I don't think you can take a plasma in or something like that. But it's just too big. Well, I would encourage the listener to try. Yeah. Well, <laughs> load your load the big TV in your car and drive however long it takes to get to Best Buy. Drag it through the parking lot and see what they say. You know. You never know what's going to happen. And at the very least, it's a little experience at Best Buy. Yeah, yeah, but it's they're, they're quite heavy, you realize. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say it would be easy. No, it definitely I just said would it would be an be. experience. Okay, okay. And life is built on these types of experiences, taking broken electronics <laughs> to big box retailers, this kind of thing. I worked at a Best Buy in 2003. Yeah. Fascinating experience. Was it? Uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, standing behind a cash register trying to get people to try Entertainment Weekly for six weeks, uh, uh, trials of that sort of thing, trying to get people to buy a warranty on a $9 CD player. Add-ons. You're trying to... Right. You're yeah. just trying to get as much money out of their wallets as you possibly can. Right. right. And I didn't. I just, you know, kind of backed away from the sales pressure most of the yeah, time. Yeah, I would have been the same way. What am I getting out of it? I know. Did you have any memorable part-time jobs? I yeah, I did. I, I had a few. I, I'm reminded of a a sales job that I had at a place called Mid South Savings. I don't think it's probably around anymore. But the 
the point, the idea of it was that if you bought a membership to this place, you could then shop directly from these catalogs, like getting and get wholesale <laughs> prices. Okay. So we had all these catalogs in there in this one room that you could go into if you were a member. So we'd basically take people around and sort of say, this is what you'd pay retail. This is what you'd pay with us for this pool table, you know. <laughs> and it was like a thousand dollar membership, but if you oh did my God. you could pay in installments, but if you bought it all at once, it was like two hundred dollars off. And we, I think they got people in. They had a, I had a call center in back, which I, I had originally applied to be in the call center. But when the the sales manager met me, he's like, "Oh, I think I can use you on the floor here." So I was like, "Okay, sure." But I, I, I think people would get called and say, "Do you, you you've won either a VCR or a free cruise?" Which of course was a, a timeshare kind of oh, thing. I think, right, you know. right. But some, well, I remember one couple like sort of. Like we thought, you know, we thought we wanted the VCR here. We thought we won a real thing, and I just had to apologize. Like I'm so sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I feel like you would run into the occasional blow up from somebody that feels like their time has been wasted. Um, like I never got a blow up, thankfully. Yeah, just the you've inconvenienced me. How dare you? Yeah, mostly mostly people are just like, okay. I mean, but you know, I got some people to sign up. I definitely got okay. some some sign signer uppers. And I'm trying to visualize this place. It's basically a catalog library. Yeah, it was like a it was like a large office with with little separate offices <laughs> on the side for each salesperson. Okay, and there were sort of things on display that you could show them. And, you know, the difference between retail versus wholesale pricing. And then, yes, there was another room with a bunch of catalogs in them. This is such a fascinating business that can't possibly still exist. I, w- I don't think so. I it's don't think kind it of does. a Costco of catalogs, essentially. You're paying for the membership, although you don't pay $1,000 to go no. to Costco. No. I feel like that's $50 or something. Well, and it was also before the, the internet was as robust right. as it is now. Right, right. You know. Interesting. I've been to uh, one of those timeshare presentations before, which led to not- nothing free. Yeah. Big waste of time some years and years ago. But it, again, kind of in the realm of dragging your TV into Best Buy, <laughs> it was an experience. <laughs> right. Getting to watch the videos about the timeshares and then the deep pressure the salespeople oh. put on you. Yeah, I was going to say, how hard was the sell? Oh, inescapable. God. It's really one of those things where they are not, they will not let you go until you basically are begging them to leave. Wow. And at the time, I was probably... 18 or 19 <gasps> i can't imagine the salesperson like they're wasting their own time this is a child right. how much money do you think this person's going to be able to offer you for the maybe they think you came for money you know? <laughs> yeah they maybe <laughs> this little rich boy has shown up to buy his time he'll share. get mom and dad to say mommy i want a time share you know? <laughs> i wonder uh what the youngest timeshare owner is mm. i feel like you you've got to be Hit your fifties before you consider buying a timeshare. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. You know, I I knew a friend of a friend who I I, I could call a friend. I, I I don't. I'm not in touch with him now. But he had a thing. I guess it was a timeshare esque kind of thing. Okay. But it was belonging to this organization where you would get hotel rooms. You would get a a stay at this a hotel. And it can kind of move around. You you had some ability to pick where it was. Okay. So I got to go, luckily, on a few of these trips. One was to Aruba. Oh, Another lovely. one was to, um, I've forgotten the name, a French island. Um, but they were lovely. It was fun. You know, we scuba dive. Well, we snorkeled. And, snorkel, yeah. right. 
Yeah, I think that's the secret with timeshares. You've just got to find someone else in your life that has been tricked. <laughs> and then you don't, you're, don't have like the lifelong obligation. They right. have to use it. So they're like, well, I have to do it. You might as well come. Right. Uh, but that is the other thing that I remember from that timeshare presentation. It was truly like decades of your life had to be, the money had to be spent on. Really? It was like buying a home. Was it really? It's fascinating. Yeah. How do you do it in a sales situation when the salesperson's after you? How do I deal with yeah. someone? Yeah. Oh, I try to not ever get in those situations. Mm-hmm. But uh, you never know where they're going to come from. You know, if I, I so rarely shop in person anymore. Oh, right. And right. if I do and I sense that a salesperson is headed my way, I try to be nice, but also just not look at them. <laughs> uh, not give them any indication that I want to interact with them. Uh-huh. But sometimes it can't be avoided. And I'll usually say, I'm, I'm okay. You know, thank you. Oh, so you're able to set up a boundary. I try to, yeah. I have to avoid the situation because I can't say no to anyone. Yeah. And then until the very last minute, so they feel like they've got me on the hook. They spend a lot of time with me, and then I finally have to bail, and they're furious that they wasted all this time on me. Right, that's why I don't do it, because I would, yeah, I I fear the same sort of reaction. Right, but I guess that's their fault. They need the (laughs) salesperson's intuition to pick me up from a crowd. Well, I think it's probably time to play a game. Okay. I think we'll play a game called Gift or a Curse. Okay. I need a number between 1 and 10 from you. 7. Okay. I have to do some light calculating okay. to get our game pieces. So okay. right now you can recommend something, promote something, talk uh, to the listener in whatever way you want. Okay. Well, I do a podcast called This Job is History, also for Wondery, uh, where we interview people from the past, played by comic improv actors usually, um, about a job they had that no longer exists, like uh, a telephone operator, for instance. Or one of the particularly surprising ones was a funeral clown, which was a thing in ancient Greece or Rome, where they would uh, Im- someone would impersonate the person who had died, and it was a way of sort of paying homage to them. But uh, a, a very strange combination of things, funeral and clown. But yeah, it's a, it's a fun show to do. And uh, I and my producer, Linda, we interview these people. and That sounds incredible. Yeah. And who's, doing, who's finding the jobs? You know, it is the fantastic writing staff okay. at, at Wondery. Works at, on uh, you said a funeral clown? Funeral clown, yes. Is that your favorite you've done so far? In terms of just, yeah, sort of the jarring juxtaposition <laughs> of those two ideas, yes, I think so. Yeah, if if you weren't didn't have the career you currently do, uh, was there any like a childhood dream job other than comedy? Well, um, you know, I went. Th- I like at one point I thought architecture was really cool. I mean, I still do, but I thought about pursuing that and entomology and those kind of things. Um, when I was in high school, I I did take computer programming, and I did seriously think of that as a career okay, path. Okay, okay. So it was kind of that or acting. Okay. Because I was doing the plays and stuff in my high right. school. And, um, I, I chose correctly, I think, because I don't know that I have the <laughs> I feel the like brains. it's worked out so far. Yeah, it's worked out all right. Um, well, enough about you and your jobs. We've got to play gift or a curse. This okay. is how we play. I'm going to name three things. Okay. You're going to tell me if they're a gift or a curse. And right. why. Okay. And then I'll tell you if you're correct or not. There are correct answers. You can lose the game. You can win the game. Okay. You can have a middling performance of the game. 
it's up really up to you. And is this something that is that I perceive as a gift or a curse, or that I think you would? Well, that I'm I'm not going to reveal uh, that. Okay. I just want you to a gut reaction. Okay. However, okay. you feel like playing the game. Okay. You tell okay. me if it's a gift or a curse or why. I mean, probably your opinion. Let's be honest. All right. Okay. This first one is a uh, listener suggestion from someone named Roy. Roy suggested gift or a curse commercials for a TV show while you are watching that very show. <laughs> That's a that's a curse. That's definitely a curse. <laughs> Why? Because it's it's pointless if I'm taking the time to watch the show. I don't need to see a commercial about the thing I'm watching, Bridger. Come on. <laughs> Good lord. Chris wrong. <laughs> I love it. Oh. If I'm going to be advertised to, why not have a little extra boost of the show in between? Or maybe we go to commercial break and I forget the show I was watching. It's a nice little oh, reminder. Wow. It's a, Do you I, have memory issues? Not yet, but uh, should the, the time come, okay. these commercials will be there waiting for me. Fair enough. There's also, it's also kind of a you know a fun little surprise to say, oh, the, the app isn't working. Yeah. The company is falling apart, and they're advertising to me, and they already have me on the hook. Oh, it gives you a position to judge from. Yes, yeah, so okay. I get to kind of be the critic for a minute. <laughs> okay, okay. And I think that that's terrific. It's certainly a gift. I see the appeal of that. I'm sorry to hear how wrong you were. Yeah, well. Okay, next one. <laughs> so, you know, I don't. Uh, next up is from a listener named Brad, and Brad suggested gift or a curse Invisalign. Invisalign. I think I think that's probably a gift. Yeah. Why? Well, if you need your teeth aligned, um, probably less obtrusive uh, and less noticeable to do it that way as opposed to conventional braces. Mm -hmm. Right. What do you What do you think, Bridger? Yes. I'm, I'm guessing I'm wrong. Again. Unfortunately, <laughs> you're wrong. Okay. And I'm not doing this on purpose. Really? You're wrong. Okay. Invisalign. I. I see its benefits. Yeah. I'm glad it's helping people out. Yeah. I wish it had been available when I when I had braces. I don't think you should be able to get Invisalign until you're out of high school. <laughs> okay. I think everyone else should have to be dragged through traditional braces. <laughs> of course, with adults, let's get the Invisalign going. Right. An adult in braces, we all know, is a different thing. Yeah. So the Invisalign is there to save the day. But unfortunately, it's a curse because it wasn't available to me. I see. And that's a huge problem for everyone. Right. And you just can't see it as a benefit for others. You can't. <laughs> it's all about you. Uh, you basically. Okay. I mean, that's really what it boils down well, to. You know yourself. That's, that's something. Uh, Invisalign, reach out. I'd like to have a conversation with you. <laughs> okay. And now finally, okay, so zero so far. Not a great right. performance. Okay. Fair uh, but you're trying, and that's all we can ask for. Thank you. I'm doing the best I can. Uh, finally... Lizzie, a listener named Lizzie, has written in and suggested, gift or a curse, preventative Botox. Preventative Botox uh, as opposed to non-preventative Botox? I believe basically what Lizzie's suggesting is you're getting it probably starting in your 20s. Oh. And so your face is always Botoxed. Yeah, hmm. yeah I think that's a curse. I'm going to count that as a curse. <laughs> Why? Well, it seems unnecessary when you're when you're young and and relatively fresh faced. Why are you going to prevent wrinkles that aren't even there yet? Mm -hmm. And why do you want to go ahead and and deaden your face and you know limit your ability to express yourself facially? Right. You know, I I would say curse. You get the point. I think it's a, a curse, and it kind oh. of goes along with this braces thing I'm talking about. 
I don't think you need it as a young person. I think you you should wait till you're 60 and then get way too much and make it very, it should be very obvious. I don't think it should be a slow boil. It should be... Overnight. Yeah, everybody knows and it's not working for you. Uh, doing it ahead, ahead of time is an absolute curse. Nobody should be allowed to do that. You should have to get a license at 60, take a course, uh, take your license down to whatever. Where do you get... Botox, the Botox Center. Oh, uh, dermatologist. Dermatologist. You know, yeah, that's probably the most yeah, professional th- probably, place yeah. you can get it. I got a facial not long ago. Oh, how did I mean, that not go? a facial, a, a chemical peel. That's what I got. Was this your first time? It was my first chemical peel, yes. Well, I'm curious about that experience. What is it and how did it feel and what were the results? Um, the results, I think, are good. Um, it definitely made my skin look better. Beautiful. But, you know, you, you lie there and they put acid on your face <laughs> um, in, in patches. They started with my forehead. And then you give a pain scale. Like when, when you get up to like 8 out of 10, then they, they dab it off with cold water and then they move on to a different part of your face. At least this is how my dermatologist did it. And the pain scale is a little scary. Is there a chance of it going too far? Pain is very subjective. Well, it's your scale. It's like what what you know what pain is to you. And basically, you know, they don't want it to go beyond what you feel comfortable facing. Okay. You know? Was there a great deal of pain? Yeah, yeah, but very but manageable. And because okay. it was you know a limited period of time. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd had another procedure done. That I don't want to name because I don't want to, you know, put it down. But it was it was more of an electronic sort of thing across your face. Okay, it was very painful. Really? For me. Yes, I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna die. But how it was, long it, did the procedure last? It wasn't that long, but it was. Uh, it was just. It was. I guess a lot of heat. I don't know if it's just like electricity Ooh. or lasers or I think it's laser based maybe okay. on your face. And afterwards. Is your face, do you look wild? Do you look like somebody who's been through something? Um, a little bit after that, right after the chemical peel, my, my skin was a little redder, but my wife said she couldn't really notice. Oh. And then and then basically a layer of your skin flakes off. And right. It's like your face is molting. <laughs> and then, and then you know, underneath you've got fresher, newer When skin. does the molting take place? Does it come as a surprise? No, you, you know, they, they should warn you about it. It's going to probably start at like, Three days, maybe oh, three to four okay. days, and then progress. And know. how long does it last for? Um, it all of that had was done in probably in a week, you know, maybe okay. eight days. Yeah. So it's kind of like a severe sunburn. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. Very interesting. I've been very curious about it, and I've always wondered how painful it is. And well, you've ha- got great skin. Well, I'm going to get it burned off. <laughs> uh, I'm as soon as we hit stop on the recording, I'm going to <laughs> head to my dermatologist and demand <laughs> throw some acid on my face. No, I think that you know these uh, all of these procedures are interesting, and some of them are clearly snake oil. Yeah. And then there are others which there are proven results. Your yeah. face looks great. Thank excellent you. skin. And you you had a again an experience. I did. It's all that truly matters. <laughs> <laughs> I've got and I've got to, you know, I've got to mind my appearance. I'm an You've, actor. We've you all know, got to mind our appearances. Yeah. Um well, look, you got one out of 3 in the game. Yeah, I'm glad we agreed on something. We agreed on something. It would have been it would have been a sour feeling had you lost the entire thing. That's happened with guests before yeah. and They've cut off ties. Uh, yeah, understandably. Um, I mean, I thought I was going to end up in that spot, <laughs> and I was already planning to never speak to you again. <laughs> We've got to answer a listener question. Okay. This is called I Said No Emails. People write into <laughs> I Said No Gifts at gmail.com. Now, look, my listeners are 
their lives are ragged. Their lives are very bad. And so they count on me to try to repair some of these problems, okay. usually social situations, gift giving, this kind of thing. They write into the email. The listener and I try to guide them towards some level of uh, keep them from drowning in life, essentially. Okay. Would you help me? Oh, sure. I'll do my best. Okay, let's probably see. probably fail, but I'll do my best. <laughs> let's see here. Okay, this is Dear Bridger and Tactless Guest. Oh. Oh, just an immediate oh, insult. Wow. You don't like to hear that. Okay. Uh, my husband Thanks. and I got married in May of 2022. Congrats. Okay. Okay. Uh, I am already thinking about gifts for our first anniversary. Okay. The traditional first anniversary gift is paper, and I have a decent idea for that. Oh, so it sounds like someone's written into brag so far. Uh, my husband likes to collect cardboard coasters from local breweries and brands. I was thinking I could enlist friends and family to send me any cool ones they encounter over the next several months and create some sort of collage or something for him. Okay, so now they're running out of ideas. It sounds like they've got a a spark of an idea. Right. Uh, my conundrum is that if I commit to a traditional paper gift for year one, will I regret that in seven years for the wool slash copper anniversary? Will I be emailing you in 35 years for a really great coral gift? Well, I hope not. I don't <laughs> want to hear from you ever again. Uh, I would love your thoughts. Nora. Huh. Well, my first response to that is, it, it's sweet, the idea of enlisting the aid of friends to collect these coasters, but I would say, don't do it. Don't bother people. <laughs> nobody, wants, nobody wants to go get coasters and send them to you to make a gift for your husband. It's a sweet thought, but I mean, maybe you got friends who are more generous than I am by nature, <laughs> but I wouldn't want to deal with that, personally. That does, to me, it sounds... Almost worse than telling them to go to the store and buy an item because this yeah. is a thing that you have to like start thinking about who gives away coasters that are yeah. interesting. You have to source it and then do you just steal it? Do you ask for it? I, right. I they're know. running all over town and who knows. For your anniversaries, this this topic comes up a lot of like the paper anniversary, whatever. Right. Have you ever done anything like that? Yeah, I mean, we do very simple. I mean, like one year it was wood, and so I got her just a little wooden like butter spoon. Meaningless. I don't think she ever used it. <laughs> okay. But she, we try. We make a half-assed effort to sort of <laughs> give a nod to that. And are you also giving another gift, or is it just the wooden spoon? No, no. It'll usually be a more there'll be some other item gift. that they yes. actually can use. Right. Yeah, I don't know that I believe in this at all. I I don't know who started it, but. And uh, this, like, writing, doing it for your entire life feels like a prison to oh, me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But getting back to this person, I, I really feel like, no. no. Just don't. Don't, don't do it. Don't trap yourself in this. Certainly don't drag a family yeah. member or a friend no. into it. Or multiple friends or family members, <laughs> it sounds like. There's nothing worse than getting an email where you're BCC'd or CC'd that says, hey, everybody, uh -huh. and then asks for some horrible favor. Right. Right. That will just haunt me for weeks. Yeah. Eventually, I just do the worst job possible. <laughs> and then there's, you know, some some level of anger between me and the asker. So, Nora, I think that's your answer right there. Just, you know, buy him a, a new phone or something. <laughs> He'd probably like that more. Yeah. He'd appreciate <laughs> it more. Unless you've got a really great idea for another paper gift. Um that's that's easy and, and you have fun with it, but don't feel like it's going to trap you into that for the rest of your life either. Well, unless the husband really has this expectation. Oh, uh, well. 
Yeah. You know, and then it could it could threaten the marriage. To not do it would be might be a deal breaker. Right. right. <laughs> Maybe that's all this marriage is built on is <laughs> this husband's obsession with tradition. That's not a good sign. <laughs> you don't want to find that out in no. one year in. No. Uh, but uh, we wish Nora the best of luck. And uh, congratulations on the wedding, Nora. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, happy anniversary in advance. Yeah, of course. Maybe she just prints out this email and says, I tried. Yeah. Perfect. There we go. That's a paper, yeah. paper gift. Well, we answered the question perfectly. We did. Uh, no one can say otherwise. No, it was masterful. And I now have these shivs. Oh, I was going to say shivs. These shims. <laughs> Actually, this is basically the what could be carved into a shiv. It could be carved it's into like a shiv. It's like small wooden objects. Yeah. Um, I have my shims, which now provides some level of comfort in my life. Should, you know, I won't have to worry about, should the time come when I'm reframing a window that I'll... Have, have to run to Home Depot. No. They'll just be there waiting for me. Yeah. I've had such a wonderful time with you here That's today. Right. Thanks for having me, Thank Bridget. you for coming. And listener, the podcast is wrapping up. We're done. The audio will end at some point. And then, of course, you've got to make your big decisions for the day. Or, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just don't have any idea what you need to do today. So you've got to... Make that decision. Uh, thank you for being here. I love you. Goodbye. I Said No Gifts is an exactly right production. It's produced by our dear friend Annalise Nelson, and it's beautifully mixed by Liana Squillacci. And we couldn't do it without our guest booker, Patrick Kotner. The theme song, of course, could only come from miracle worker Amy Mann. You must follow the show on Instagram at I Said No Gifts. I don't want to hear any excuses. That's where you get to see pictures of all these gorgeous gifts I'm getting. And don't you want to see pictures of the gifts? But I invited you here. Thought I made myself perfectly clear. When you're a guest in my home. Follow I Said No Gifts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I really don't care. Just don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the show. It's the least you can do. It really is. It's the bare minimum. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase I Said No Gifts merch. What a wonderful way to support the show. Support the show.